Well, good morning, Spirit Church. How we doing? That was that was okay. I feel like the eight o'clock was a little bit louder. How we doing this morning? Good, good, good. Well, so great to see you. Hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Hope you all got everything you hoped and dreamed for. But uh, excited to have you here this morning. Can't wait to, to see what's in store, what God has for us this morning. Can we, uh, can we just welcome the presence of God this morning? Can we just begin to pray? God, we thank you for your presence. God, we just go ahead and we, we begin now. We invite you into this room. We, we invite your presence into this place. Holy Spirit, begin to move just now. Before we ever sing a note or a word of a song, or we just want to give you the glory. We want to give you the praise. God, we are excited this morning to worship you. God, we cannot wait to spend time in your presence. We give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're excited to be here. Let's worship. Living looks like 
next song we're going to sing is called gratitude you guys should know this by now so that's what we're going to do we're going to lift him up this morning come on can we just begin to praise him god we thank you you're so worthy you're so good come on let's sing this morning all my words fall short i got nothing how could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up
this time we'd like to invite our prayer partners to the front we're gonna teach you a new song this morning it's called King Jesus if you don't know it that's okay just let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning through this song and as we go into this if you have a prayer or a need please just step out from where you're from come to the front we would love to connect with you and pray with you this morning
join me just in giving him praise? Lord, you're worthy. You're so holy. The presence of the Lord is so powerful in this room and in our midst right now. And in just a moment, our team is going to lead us back into that, just that simple bridge. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Right now, I want you to invite you just to push past your distractions the things you're worried about, the things that maybe are occupying your mind right now. Can we put our focus on Jesus? If you're comfortable, you might want to lift your hands up to him just as an act of surrender and praise. You're worthy. Come on, don't wait for the team to lead us. Just begin to, to declare from your mouth, Jesus, you're holy. You're awesome. I love you, Lord. I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing this together. Holy. Yes, Lord, you're holy. sing to him worthy worthy is the lamb who was slain that together, Lord. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. You receive all the glory and the praise this morning. We fix our minds, our eyes, our attention, our hearts on you today. Would you be glorified? Would you be exalted? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're in such a, a powerful moment of God's presence right now. It just seems fitting that we should transition into this time of communion. And the communion was available as you came in this morning. If by some chance you didn't receive that, if you just slip your hands up, our ushers are going to be moving through the aisles. They want to make sure that everyone is served. That's biblical. We want to follow the biblical um, prescription for communion. And so if you didn't receive communion, just lift your hand and our ushers will find you to make sure that you've been served. While they're doing that, would you bow your head for just a moment? And let's just take a second, maybe introspectively. Lord, if there be any sin in my life, Lord, if there's something that's keeping me from you, maybe it's an unkind word that I said this week, maybe there was an action, maybe I displeased you in some way. As the psalmist David wrote, God, would you create in me a clean heart? Would you renew a right spirit within me? As we take communion as a church family, we say that this is an open communion, which means you don't need to be a member of this church, but you do need to be a member of the family of God to participate in communion. I'm reading this morning from Matthew chapter 26 about the communion that Jesus received with his disciples. It began as Passover in the Old Testament and then Jesus received it the night before he was betrayed and then he became the perfect Passover lamb for us. But here's what Jesus said. As they were eating, he took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the, to the disciples saying, take this and eat for this is my body. 
And as we take that little container this morning, this is just a wafer of bread. It's, it's really representation. It's symbolism, if you will, this morning. We're remembering the body of the Lord which was given. And before we take of it this morning, would we do just what Jesus said? Can we give him thanks for it? Would you join me in doing that? Come well, on, let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus, from leaving heaven, coming to earth, being born of a virgin, living among us, healing us, performing miracles in front of our eyes, and then being betrayed and handed over to those who wanted to kill you. Your back was beaten, crown of thorns placed upon your head, your hands and feet nailed to a cross. You were mocked and ridiculed. They spit upon you, but in your great love, you sacrificed for us. And as we are less than 40 days away from Easter in this Lenten season, we remember who you are and what you have done for us, and we give you praise. And would you peel back that layer, and can we take that little wafer of bread, and can we receive that together, giving him thanks for his body? As we continue in Matthew 26, it says after that, and he took a cup and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. I love that phrase. It's caught me every time I've looked at it over the past few days to forgive the sins of many like me, like me to forgive the sins of many. Romans chapter 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can we thank him? Even though this is just grape juice, it's just a representation. Can we thank him for his blood? Thank you, Jesus. Your blood paid the penalty that you did not incur, the debt that you did not owe. And it set us free from the bondage of sin, from death, from an eternity separated from you. But because you are so dynamic and so amazing, your blood not only forgives us of our sins, it heals us. The Bible says that by your stripes we have been healed. It says that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So those who need a healing today, we pray healing over them. Those who are bound or are addicted or feel like they are in chains, we speak freedom in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that your blood is breaking chains of bondage that are around people. And although this is just a carton of grape juice, it is a reminder of the depth of your love for us. We do not take that lightly. We remember you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to peel that back, can we receive that together this morning? And then if you would just maybe set that on the chair beside you somewhere. And can we give him thanks? I know we've been doing it all morning, but can we give him thanks? Bless you, Jesus. We glorify you. We praise you. Thank you for this opportunity to come together. Thank you for this reminder of the, of the greatness of your love, of what a wonderful Savior you are. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you that you are still working. You're still changing hearts and lives. As we finalize this time of communion, you know, they, they had it together. It was Jesus with his disciples, not in isolation. And together, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. It's what we do every week when we come together. It's a reminder of unity, that God wants us to be one. 
And it's a reminder to pray in the way that Jesus taught us how to pray. Those words will be on the screen behind me, but would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate who Jesus is this morning? Come on. He's good to us. He is good to us. Well, you're a good-looking crowd. You smell pretty good, too. So why don't you take time and tell somebody how lucky they are to get to sit next to you this morning. And then we'll turn our attention to our announcements here in just a moment. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Katie, and we're so glad that you joined us for worship today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you a part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. If you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church/connect or spirit.church/guest. This is a great way for you to let us know that you're here and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. But if you're here and you would like to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the Commons area. You can give online at spirit.church give, or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, thanks for being the best. Now I have a few announcements for you. Spirit Youth is hosting a Galentine's Night tonight from 5.30 to 7.30. Girls will be served pasta dinner, provided a rose, and given a chance at winning a self-care basket giveaway. Guys will be serving the ladies dinner, having their own lesson in the cafe, and having a chance to win a $200 Amazon gift card. All 6th through 12th graders are invited to join us and dress in modest, semi-formal attire to join us for this fun night. Kids 1st through 5th grade are invited to join us for Spirit Kids Nerf Wars on Friday, February 23rd from 7 to 8 p.m. Bullets will be provided, but each child must bring their own Nerf gun compatible with Elite Bullets to participate. Parents are welcome and encouraged to come to join this Parents vs. Kids War. If you're new to Spirit Church, we would love to meet you. Join us for our new people party on Sunday, February 25th, following our 11 a.m. worship experience in the cafe. Come meet our staff, learn more about our church, and enjoy free lunch on us. If you would like to come, please sign up at spirit.church slash sign up. Spirit Church, thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as lead pastor Jason Fullerton continues our series, Better Together.
Hey, good morning. Give yourself a hand for being here. So excited to have you with us today. And while you're doing that, there's a lot of people watching online. Would you help me welcome our online audience this morning? Thanks for being with us. We love and appreciate you. If we haven't met, my name is Jason and my wife Robin's sitting right over there and we are so humbled to serve as pastors of Spirit Church. Right after this worship experience, we're gonna be back here in the Welcome Center. And if you're a guest, come see us uh, right afterwards. We've got a gift for you. We'd just love to say hi. If you're a part of our family, our church family on a regular basis, come see us as well. Give me just a second to connect with our guests and then I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Can I just share a quick story that I didn't tell the, the first service this morning? Uh, last Sunday morning after the 8 a.m. worship experience, a friend came back to the Welcome Center and God healed his back in the Welcome Center. Just just ama amazing miracle of what God did. And so, you know, we're just believing that God is moving in powerful ways. Let me share one other thing with you before we dive into the message this morning. We've been doing, Robin and I have been doing our parenting group on Facebook Live. So if you're a parent in the house, we've started a new small group. It's on Facebook. You don't have to leave the comfort of your home. We go live at 8.30 on Tuesday nights on Facebook. You can put your kiddos to bed, and then you can tune in and watch us. We found out that some people, their kids don't go to bed at 8.30. They go to bed a lot later than that. And so we've seen people, I think, as late as even 2 in the morning that are tuning in watching. So we're really praying for those parents. But just a fun way for you to interact and be a part. We want you to, uh, to be blessed by this material, so join us. Well, our series is all about spirit-led relationships. We believe, as the video showed, that we are better in community. And we all have relationships in our, in our lives. Uh, husbands and wives, parents and children, families, maybe you're a single person in this room and you've got a community that makes you better, a community that you do life with. What we have learned is that our lives are better when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And what I mean by that is we talk about God, we talk about God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is very involved in our lives, probably more involved than we even take the time to realize sometimes. And I want to show you that through our In the Vault text. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with us this morning. We like to stand to honor the Word of God as we read it together. We call this an In the Vault text because each month we focus on a different verse of Scripture for all the weeks of that month. And we really believe in placing the Word of God in the vault of our hearts. We believe that Scripture is powerful, and we have found that when we... Uh, interact with scripture that the holy spirit brings it back to our remembrance at the perfect time have you have you ever had that experience where god just brings the word back so this morning if you're okay with it i'm going to read the first part and then like we did last week you jump in and read the last part with me here's what god's word says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? All right, here we go. Say it with me. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And we see in this verse, we go from two to three. And the reason we go from two to three is the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray and welcome his presence into our lives this morning. Thank you, Lord. We know that you're already here, this powerful time of worship that we had, this communion that we shared together, you're moving in our midst, you're doing great things, and we thank you for it. Today, as your word goes forth, would my voice not be the one that fills this room? Holy Spirit, would you communicate uniquely, specifically, and individually to each of us exactly what you have for us today? 
Would your word challenge us and change us and make us more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you again as you're seated. A cord of three strands. We go from two to three. And, and again, how do we do that? It's the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's what Jesus told us, promised us, about the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It's John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The, word cannot receive, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But look at this last line in the context of what we're talking about today. But you know him because he lives with you now, and he later will be in you. This month, as we're talking about better together, we are studying some really bad relationships in the Bible. There, there's plenty of good ones, and there's examples, and we have learned from them in the past. But there's also some bad relationships in the Bible, some bad situations that took place, and we can study those, and we can learn from those as well. And what we can do is we can see how the Holy Spirit would have improved these relationships. If, if you have your app, if you have the Church Center app, all the message notes are there. If not, you can follow along on the screens and take notes that way. But today, I want to talk to you about Abram and Sarai. And if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to go to Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to get there in just a second, but let me kind of talk to you about Abram and Sarai for just a second. H have you ever wished that you could get a do-over on a decision? Maybe you were at a restaurant and you ordered the vegetarian platter, and the person across from you got the chicken fried steak, and you instantly wanted a do-over. Maybe you bought the blue car because the red car was out of stock, and just a month later, the red car all of a sudden magically became available, but it's too late to change. Maybe years ago, a friend talked to you about investing in a small company no one had heard of called Macintosh or Amazon or and you said, nah, nobody invests in computer technology these days. Computers are, are, are they're not even going to make a big impact on our lives. Do-over decisions. Maybe it was something bigger like what you were going to major in in college or your job choice or a relationship decision. If you've ever wished for a do-over on a decision, today's story will connect with you. Now, before we get there, let me set the stage because there's an Old Testament couple named Abram and Sarai. And God loved them. They had the favor of God on their life. God asked them to leave something comfortable and something familiar to venture into something that was unknown. But God promised that if they would follow him, he would bless them with a huge family, that they would have a significant impact, and God would use them to bless others. In fact, Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And this is an amazing promise that God gives to an amazing couple. But after a while, it began to appear to them like God had forgotten about them. And Abram and Sarai begin to question God's plan for their lives. But how many times does it happen that God shows up right in the middle of our doubt? Have you ever seen that before? In fact, Genesis chapter 15, let me show you this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and he said, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? 
Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Now God responds in the very next verse, Genesis 15, 4, the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And that last line, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. What God was saying to Abram in this moment is, hey, I know it doesn't feel like it, but just wait on me. I know you're not seeing it now, but just trust in me and trust in my plan. And we have to point out from this story, Abram and Sarai are good people. The Bible says that God counted him as righteous because of his faith. But bad decisions can happen to anyone, especially when we don't have the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. And so after a while, it began to seem like God still wasn't working. Abram and Sarai still did not have a child. And so they tried to force God's plan to happen on their timetable. And, and when you do that, it usually doesn't work out. So here was their solution to the problem. Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 and 2. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram said, baby, that is a really bad idea. We are going to mess up all of human history from now until Jesus comes back. We shouldn't do this. Yes, you look good in the dress. No, it doesn't make you look fat. You're the only woman I have eyes for. Baby, I would never, ever consider something like this. But he said, Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Now, I want to just be clear because I love our students, I love our young people, I love our families, but God loves our families, our students, and our young people even more than I ever could. Sex is reserved for marriage. Sex is reserved for a husband and a wife who are married to each other. And if you're a parent in the room or a grandparent and you're going, oh, I'm so glad he said that to my kid, what I wish you were saying right now is thank God that he's affirming what I'm already teaching my child. Hear me out. And I want to say this in love. Somebody is already talking to your child about sex. Trust me. And it's probably their junior high friend. God forbid it's their elementary school friend. But somebody is talking to them about sex. Make sure your voice is the voice of truth that they're hearing as you're teaching God's word to them. Okay, I'm off the soapbox. Abram and Sarai are struggling with infertility. And they're doubting God's promise. And so Sarai encourages Abram to take part in like a surrogate mother arrangement. Now, not in the way that we do it in modern times, but like an Old Testament surrogacy. And according to the custom of that day, if this happened, they could bear a child and it would still be considered Abram and Sarai's child, not Abram and Hagar's child. And look at the last line. Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. What that really is saying to us is Abram and Sarai made a massively bad decision. And it's real easy for you and I to turn around and to look backwards at history and to go, look how bad they blew it. But when I evaluate my own life, I have times when I blew it too. 
I have decisions where I missed it as well. And then we ask ourselves, how could they make that choice? How did I make that choice when I made a bad decision? And let me offer you a, a, a thought or a solution about this. It's just one word, rationalization. Psychologists tell us that we use rationalization in our lives as a defense mechanism. And so when we rationalize, we're justifying the difficult or the unacceptable feelings that we have with seemingly logical and reasonable explanation. That rationalization is a coping mechanism that makes us feel better about what we have done or what we will do. Robin and I were discussing this the other day at lunch and talking about the message and thinking through this concept. Realistically, for us as Christians, rationalization is how we take the sting out of our sin. It's how we ignore what I like to call the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt a Holy Spirit nudge in the form of goosebumps or that awkwardness in your spirit, that uncomfortability? That, 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 that's not a word, but we learn how to ignore the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we're saying. We know we shouldn't, but we try to justify it anyways. We recognize that something should be wrong, but we've created a reason why it's right. We've created arguments for why we can and why we should as if we're going to win an argument with God. And when we study Abram and Sarai, they tried to rationalize their decision. For Sarai, in her mind, she could justify this decision as a way to fulfill God's promise. God promised my husband that he would be the father of many nations. Maybe the nations won't come through me, but he can still be the father of them. And culturally, in their culture, in that day, this type of behavior could have been viewed as acceptable. But please hear me on this. Cultural approval is often different than God's will. Our society has become very good at making ungodly things culturally acceptable. People are now making decisions that are culturally acceptable, but are biblically unsound. And just because something is legal doesn't mean something is right. So this decision, Abram and Sarai with Hagar, they're, they're operating against God's will for a couple reasons. Number one, they're, they're disbelieving in God and in his promise. Sarai believed that God had sovereignty. Abram believed that God was powerful, that God could do anything except with regard to Sarai's womb. We trust you in all things. We'll leave our native country. We'll leave our people. We'll leave what is familiar. We trust your promise except over her because you haven't done it yet, so you're probably not going to. It was a sin against God's plan for marriage because as we said just a few moments ago, one man and one woman come together in a one flesh relationship. And, and so what are the implications of this decision that was obviously not spirit-led? Well, Genesis chapter 16, verses 4 and 5 talk to us about it. It says, Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to mistreat her mistress, Sarai. So all of a sudden, there's a fractured relationship. And then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I don't even need a punchline for that verse. This is your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now she's pregnant, and she treats me with contempt. The Lord who will show, show what's wrong. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. So you've got two fractured relationships. Verse 16, Abram replied, Look, she's your servant. This isn't my problem. You deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly 
that she finally ran away. There were short-term implications to a decision that wasn't spirit-led, but there are also long-term implications of this decision. The long-term implications are being lived out in front of our eyes to this day. It started with Sarai and Hagar, and now it's the Jewish and the Palestinian people who are still at war with each other. We are still reaping the consequences of the actions of Genesis 16 in front of us right now. And that's why today I want to talk to us about the importance of spirit-led decisions. Because when our decisions are not spirit-led, we try to take matters into our own hands. When our decisions aren't spirit-led, we take God out of the equation. When our decisions aren't spirit-led, we miss out on God's best for our lives. And when our decisions aren't spirit-led, we negatively impact others who are deeply loved by God. And let me break this down for just a second. When we say that we're taking matters into our own hands, what we're saying is we don't trust God. For Sarai, she said, God, I know that you probably can, but it doesn't seem like you will. In fact, that verse in Genesis 16, she said, the Lord has prevented me from having children. In other words, I don't trust God to do it. Let me handle this. Now don't raise your hand. Don't point at somebody beside you, but how many times have, have we done that? I know I have a promise from God. I trust that it's going to happen, but since it hasn't happened yet, let me interject myself into the situation and take this into my own hands. And then we do the second thing is we take God out of the equation. We say that we don't need God to bring this about. Sarai says, here, go take my servant. Now, when I was in elementary school, they would say, put on your imagination caps, your thinking caps. I want you to do that with me for just a second because instead of saying, here's my servant, go take her, what if Hagar said to Abram, you know, God said that we're going to be the parents of many nations and it hasn't happened yet. I think we should start praying and fasting together every week. You know, it hasn't happened yet, and we're struggling with infertility. What if we got our small group together and we had them start praying for us? What if next Sunday morning when the prayer partners are called down front, what if we went down front and had them anoint us with oil and we just kept believing and kept trusting? Let's not give up on the promise, baby. Let's keep trusting God. But instead, she took God out of the equation. And what Abram and Sarai were doing by involving Hagar in the situation was they were trying to create God's promise without God's presence. You can't experience God's promise without God's presence. And that leads us to the third thing. When our decisions aren't spirit-led, we miss out on God's best. We settle for something that is less than what God had in mind for us. And again, it's easy to turn around and say, Hagar's the problem. She's bad. Hagar was a servant. She didn't have much say in the matter. There's really nothing fundamentally wrong with Hagar except that she wasn't God's best for Abram. And Robin taught our kids this saying, and being one of her children, she taught it to me as well. That good is bad when it's not God's best. And sometimes we settle for good at the expense of, of best, and they could have had God's best, but they settled for good. And, and then what happens is when our decisions aren't spirit-led, we negatively impact others. We hurt people who are dearly loved by God, and sometimes for generations to come. 
In our story, we just saw that Sarai's mad at Hagar and she's mad at Abram. And Abram's mad at Sarai. And Hagar gives birth to a son named Ishmael. And then God comes forth on his promise to Sarai and she gives birth to a son named Isaac. And they're at war with each other. And without the Holy Spirit, we make bad decisions. But here's what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do for us. John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and he said, When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And he goes on to talk about what that means in each situation. But I love that word. He will convict the world of its sin and of how to, how to live righteous. He's going to remind us what it means to live and to be righteous. I was trying to think of how to illustrate this. And my F-150, my truck that I drive, it has this really great but super annoying feature called lane assist. And what that means is that anytime you just accidentally veer outside of the painted line on the road, the steering wheel starts shaking in your hands until you get the vehicle back into the lane. And the Holy Spirit, in some ways, although this is a very facetious illustration, sometimes functions like the lane assist in my truck, except when I turn it off because there's a button that I can turn off lane assist except when I learn to ignore the vibrations, the nudges of the Holy Spirit. I rode with a person one time in their car and they have the seatbelt thing and the seatbelt thing will ding if your seatbelt's not on and we've been riding in the car for a few moments and I said, what is the dinging noise? And he said, oh, it's the seatbelt thing. I don't even hear it anymore. Think about that for a second. I don't even hear it anymore. That the Holy Spirit is there to convict us of righteousness, to keep us in the lane, to keep the seatbelt across our chest. And we've gotten to the point that we don't hear it anymore. Take a deep breath, it's heavy. I wanted to tell a dad joke, but Robin said I shouldn't to try to lighten the mood. So without the Holy Spirit, we make bad decisions, but how can we make spirit-led decisions? Let's talk about that for just a second. Here's how we can make spirit-led decisions. We can be a child of God. We can allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We can learn to trust in God, not in ourselves. And we can ask the Lord for wisdom. Let me walk through each of these for just a second. How do we make a spirit-led decision? We'd be a child of God. Why do I say that? Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're a Christian... If you're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is leading you. The Holy Spirit is that lane assist. If you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and will not force himself upon you. He'll try to gently remind you. He'll try to speak to you. He'll try to invite or welcome himself into your life, but you have to receive him. So if you want to be, make Spirit-led decisions, if you want to be led of the Spirit, be a child of God, and you'll have an opportunity to do that, to do that in just a second. But that second thing, how do I make spirit-led decisions? I allow the spirit to lead me. In Galatians 5.25, I don't have this on the screen for you, but hear these words. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The middle part of that verse is so powerful. Let us follow the spirit's leading. What does it mean to, to follow the spirit's leading? It means to get used to listening to God. How do I get used to listening to God? I learn the difference between my thoughts and God's voice. 
And this occurs as I spend time in prayer and I spend time in worship, I become familiar with him speaking to me. It's because I've become more accustomed, more used to hearing him. I've spent time that I can understand the difference between his voice and a counterfeit voice. I've never worked in banking, but I've had bank tellers tell me that when they are trying to identify a counterfeit, they never show them what a counterfeit is. They just expose them so often to what is authentic that when they are are presented with something that is a counterfeit, they immediately know the difference. And what if we spent so much time in the presence of Jesus? What if we became so comfortable and familiar with his voice that when another voice tried to speak into us, we instantly recognized that's not God speaking to me. And we allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us. How do we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? Well, we allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate scripture for us. As we are people of the word, the Holy Spirit is illuminating the passage, bringing light and life to the text for me. The word of God is living and active and it's always speaking to me. How do I learn how to hear the the voice of God or how do I learn how to be led of the spirit? I study people who listen to God. And last week we talked about spirit-led influence and who are the people in your life that are making you more like Jesus and causing you to live in a way that honors the Lord. Let me encourage you, this, this is what I do in my life with the people in my life who are my mentors. I, I wear them down with questions. How did you do this? And what did you do in that situation? And how were you sure that God was leading you? How did you know that it was God's voice that you were hearing? Because the more familiar and the more comfortable you become with listening to God, the easier it is to recognize him. And when we study the other people, we learn from them. We learn to trust God which is the third thing. How do I make spirit-led decisions? I trust God instead of trusting myself. The Bible talks about this, and let me show you Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend. Some verses would be lean. Do not lean on your own understanding. Isn't it easy to lean on what we know? Isn't it more comfortable to rely on what we're familiar with and what we think is best? But the Bible says, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you what path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. That leads us to the fourth thought this morning. Ask the Lord for wisdom. If I want to make spirit-led decisions, I have to ask the Lord for wisdom because James chapter 1 says, if you need wisdom, you can ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Let me ask you just to think back with me for a second with Abram and Sarai. If Sarai came to Abram and said, it doesn't seem like God's working. I know he promised, I trust that he's going to do it, but it doesn't seem like he's doing it. I've got Hagar. If they would have said, let's seek God's wisdom. I think before they could have prayed the prayer, God would have said, no, don't do it. It's a bad idea. God would have said, don't settle for good. I've got best just around the corner. Learn to hear my voice. Learn to trust me. Follow the Spirit's leading. Wait, trust not what you can see, not what you hear. Trust in me and my promise. We have to be people who learn how to be led of the Spirit and to make Spirit-led decisions. 
If you'd bow your head for just a second, I want to talk to you about the best decision you can ever make, and that's the decision to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you have never done that, if you've never welcomed His presence, His activity, His love, His grace into your heart, it is available to you today. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned, we have all missed the mark, just like Abram and Sarai did in this circumstance. But it says that God in His grace makes us right by sending Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. And if we confess our sin, if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we confess that He is Lord, we will be saved. So this morning I want to invite you to make the best decision you could ever make, and that's the decision to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you're here this morning and you feel that Holy Spirit nudge, that lane assist, that vibration, that prompting from the Holy Spirit, let me just assure you that is Him. He's speaking to you. He's calling you. He's speaking to your heart. If you'd like to respond to Him this morning, I will not embarrass you in any way, but I do want to pray with you. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you just simply lift your hand and try to make eye contact with me just so I know who I'm praying for? And and if you're watching online, thank you. I've seen some hands that have gone up this morning. If you're watching online, would you just write the word yes in your content box there in your chat box? You just put that word yes. Our team will receive that and we'll connect with you. I've seen several people in multiple sections that have lifted their hands this morning. I want to make sure and just give a second in case anybody else wants to say yes to Jesus. Again, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So for the the group of you that just raised your hand and perhaps those that put yes in the chat box this morning, you have have signified or signaled your belief, but now we need a prayer of confession. And this is the first of many prayers, but this is a good starting point. Just so it's not awkward, I want to invite everybody in the room to join us in praying this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you said yes to Jesus this morning, we're celebrating. Heaven is celebrating. But you got to go public. You can't just be a secret disciple and keep that to yourself. So here's a text number. You can text our team and let us know, 918-766-9117. You can let us know that you've said yes to Jesus. We want to connect with you. First of all, we want to help you to be baptized in water. We had 10 people last week that got baptized, and so we want that to happen, that public declaration. But there's also a process that is called discipleship that helps you become more like Jesus. We're going to close in just a second. Jenny's going to lead us in a song of worship. But before she does, I want to have a special time of prayer with those of you in the room who are facing some significant decisions. In just a moment, I'm going to ask certain groups of people to stand. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you are a high school junior or senior and you're trying to figure out what's next. Maybe you're a college junior or senior and you're trying to figure out what's next. You might be in the room and you have aging parents and you're trying to make some big decisions about what is best for you and what is best for them and what that process looks like. Maybe you're in the middle of a career transition or a job change and you just need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to help you. Maybe you're about to retire and although retirement is exciting and enticing, there's that unknown. 
that you're not sure about and you could sure use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And maybe there is a circumstance or situation that I didn't even mention at all, but you're facing some significant decisions and you need God's help. You say, but if I stand, what are people going to think? They're going to think that you need God's help. And that's okay because we're a family and in a second we're going to stand with you. So maybe I mentioned your situation and maybe I didn't, but if you need God's wisdom for a decision, would you just stand to your feet right now wherever you are in this room and just say, yeah, that's me. I just need, I need God's wisdom. I need God's direction, God's guidance to come in my life. Now, if you're near someone who is standing, let's all stand and, and start to move. There's people every single section. Let's move near them. We believe in the power of prayer. Let's lay hands on each other. Maybe take them by the hand or put an arm on their shoulder, put an arm around them. And let's just invite, let's start by doing that, inviting the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. You said, that, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Your word said in James 1 that if we need wisdom, we can ask you and you will provide it. So for every high school or college junior or senior in the room that needs direction, would you speak to them this morning? For everyone facing a job transition or something near retirement, would you direct them today? For everyone who has parents and they're trying to determine what to do in that situation, would you lead them and speak to them? For all the other circumstances that perhaps I didn't mention, I thank you that you not only know the answer, you are the answer. And you're faithful. You're faithful. If you lifted your hand this morning, would you just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. I'm listening for your voice. I'm seeking your guidance. I want to be led by you. Come on, let's, let's welcome his presence, his activity into our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. You are worthy of it all. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Oh, you deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. What an amazing Sunday, amen. God is doing something special. And how many of us are thankful in this room for a pastor who's not afraid to talk about biblical relationships, amen? Such a blessing, such a blessing. Hey, before you go today, I just want to encourage you really fast. If you have a 6th through 12th grader, tonight, bring them to youth group. We are going to have an incredible night where I am not speaking to the ladies in the room about relationships. No, my wife is actually bringing the word to the ladies to talk about what it means to be a biblically founded lady in a relationship, okay? Here's the thing. 
I'm going to be talking to the guys out in the cafe. She's going to be talking to the girls. But we want to redeem what love is actually defined as in Scripture. And so we need to begin, while they are students, implementing biblical truth and understanding into their lives. And so what we're doing is we're breaking up boys and girls to talk about what does Scripture say your role is whenever you tell someone that you love them. Because there is weight that comes with the term love that we need to understand here in our generation today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have guys that come and they serve these young ladies. And they learn that love begins with serving your spouse. Okay, so we're going to implement this spirit of serving into our young men. And for ladies, they need to understand that they are valuable and that they are a treasure that is rare to find a good woman in the world today. And so do not just pick whoever comes off the street. Be selective because you are the treasure that a man is blessed with, okay? And so we're going to be preaching biblical truth. We encourage you, let your kids come dressed up, semi-formal to formal, whatever. We just want to treat them, let them have a great night. But as you leave today, I want to pray a prayer blessing over us all. If you'll raise your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week. the depths of me